Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope, that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. We're starting a collection of talks called Spiritual Questions. Spiritual Questions. And through all of September, we'll be walking through three different questions. What I did for this series, this collection of talks, is pretty much I went to our good old friend Google and pretty much asked what are the most spiritual questions that people type into Google. And three of the ones, they may, not, they may surprise you, they may not. The top one was who is God? Who is God? How can I know God? I love that the idea is that not the top question was, is God real? The top Googled question was, who is God? Can I know God? Next week, we're going to be talking about a really important one that I'm going to need you to lean into today a little bit, but I'm going to prove why we can do this next week. Next week's question is, can I trust the Bible? And, and week three is, I've been hurt by the church, now what? And so we're going to walk through those three questions. Yeah, they're powerful. They're a little sensitive, but it's important to talk about these things. And so today is who is God. Next week is can I trust the Bible. And the third week is the church hurt me. Now what? But as you're writing notes down today, would you underline that word who? Just underline that word who. Because I believe it's so powerful to lean into that today. I remember, you know, yesterday was 20 years of September 11th, and man, it was amazing just to see the posts and, and the support and just remembrance of the never forget idea of where we all were when that happened. And we, it was amazing to see in some people's comments and social media posts that the heart for all of us is to just be that unity again, where it truly is God bless where we live, God bless each other. See, after that day on September 12th, there was nothing that was separating us. We were all united. We were not divided. We were connected because we had been hurt. We had been attacked. And I remember where I was on September 11th, 2001. I was in my eighth grade history class with Mrs. Thomas at Skycrest Christian School over in Clearwater, Florida. And I remember the office brought her a little post-it note, and she read it. And right away, I, remember, I just remember her face completely dropping and Tears begin to well up, and she said, today, the World Trade Center has been hit by some planes, and we don't know what's happening, but in just a second, we're going to turn the news on. But in that moment, before she did anything else, before she turned on the news, before she tried to explain it to us eighth graders, she said, let's bow our heads and pray. And because I realized, even at that young age, that my teacher, she knew who God was. She knew that even in these difficult moments, that it was not some sort of essence or thing she was turning to. It was a person. It was a who. And I believe God illustrates throughout his entire word who he is and how we can connect to him and how we can relate to him. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 5 through 7, we, we get into a conversation between God and a guy named Moses. Now, Moses had one of the closest and most intimate relationships with God. It literally says in the Bible that God would speak to Moses as one speaks to a friend. I don't know about you, but I would love to have that kind of a relationship with God, and we all can because of what Jesus has done. But in Exodus chapter 34, we see something really powerful. Verses 5 through 7 say this, Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him. Would you underline that phrase for me today? Stood there with him. 
Because to answer this question, who is God, we've got to realize that God wants to be with his people. He wants to stand with us. But even, it goes deeper, and he says, and God called out his own name, Yahweh. And the Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. This is a passage of scripture that is referred to over and over again by the book of Psalms, by the prophets, by Jesus himself, as we're gonna see in a moment. And what does it say about who God is? That he is full of unfailing love. He is compassionate and mercy. He is slow to anger. Man, I'm glad that's in there. Because, yeah, because sometimes I feel like I'm making God angry every day, every moment of the day with what goes on up here and in here sometimes. But it says he's slow to anger. And he's filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. And if you want to know who God is, he's filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. What does that mean? And that he has more love than you could possibly imagine. And his love towards you is not some emotion or feeling. His love to you is a decision. It's a choice to give all of himself to you. And he's faithful, meaning that he's going to do what he said he was going to do. When the Bible tells us that we can taste and see that God is good, it truly is real. God is the most faithful person we could ever call on to help us. And I love that he says, I lavish unfailing love. I like that word lavish. Start using that in my daily language a little bit more. Today is a very special day. Not only is it our two-year anniversary as a church, but for someone in my life, man, I want to lavish unfailing love on her every single day. It is our, uh, our six-year wedding anniversary today for Adrian and I. And man, with local city wouldn't be who we are without Adrian. And I wouldn't be who I am without her. And six years, man, I've had a couple great moments, but a lot of rough moments as a husband and trying to get better. But I'm so glad that our marriage is built on unfailing love, that we decided to say yes to each other, that when we said I do, we really meant it. Whether we may not like each other all the time, we committed to love each other. And that's what God does, man. He lavishes his unfailing love on you to a thousand generations. As we jump into the heart of this, write this down for me. God is someone to know not just something to believe in. I want you to never forget this. If, you, if you're driving to lunch today after a church and like, what was the guy talking about? Hey, we talking about this. God is someone to know, not just something to believe in. Write these down for me, that God is someone to know, not just something to believe in, that he wants to be known and he wants to know you, that, he wants to, that you can know God and you can be known by him. It's the first pillar of the four things we commit to do as local city church to help you experience God for yourself so that you can know him and connect him and then know that it's not just about you knowing him, it's about being known by him as well. There's an old quote by a theologian named G.K. Chesterton, and he says, the amazing thing about God is unlike the sun, when you compliment the sunrise, the sun doesn't say anything back to you. The sun doesn't say, oh, thank you so much. I am looking especially bright and yellow today. Thank you so much. It doesn't say anything back. Because as beauty, beautiful as creation is, you can't be known by it. See, when you know God, you're also known by him. Where he says, God, I can't do this without you. I need you in my life. God says, I'm so excited to be in your life. I'm with you no matter what. I am with you through thick and thin. I'm sticking close to you. I'm never going to leave you or forget about you. That's who God is. 
He's someone to know. And what I want to do is I want to give you a couple different ways to understand how I know God is a someone, to really answer this question today. Now, if I had a lot of time, I could go really in-depth with some of this, but I think it's just some great intro knowledge of how I can be confident that I know who God is. What I want to give you is some things to use in your life when turmoil happens or when doubts creep in. You ever had a panic moment in your life where something just happened and you panicked? All right, some of us. I'm sure I'll have some of us like every day. Now, that panic moment, I just had one of these couple, a couple days ago. Uh, it just rained really heavy in the morning, and man, in the heights here, we got all sorts of puddles and stuff that live on streets after it rains, and I was driving next to this big pickup truck, and as the pickup truck was driving, it hit a puddle, and man, it just washed over my windshield, and I could not see a thing. And my first reaction was, ah! Like, I didn't know what to do. Like, I, I slammed on the brakes. Thank you. Thank, thankfully, no one was behind me. But I was like, I can't see anything. I don't know where I'm going. I'm stopping right now. But thank God, someone a long time ago invented these things called windshield wipers that quickly wipe off the water, wipe off the splashes so that you can see clearly. What I, what I want to give you today is two, as our cars have, two windshield wipers that can wipe away some of the doubts sometimes that cause us to panic, that can wipe away some of the troubles and turmoils and, and panic moments in our life to be reminded of who God is. The first thing is that God is spirit. God is spirit. Now, this is an interesting word, that God is actually not meant to be completely understood by our human minds, and I actually like that. I like that I can believe in a God who doesn't, I don't have to explain all the time or that is bigger than I could possibly understand or imagine. God is spirit. In Exodus, he tells Moses in Exodus chapter, uh, chapter three, he says, I am who I am. What does that mean? He is. Like, who is God? He just is. Like, tell, tell Moses, when you tell people who sent you, just say, I am who I am. I have always been. I always will be. I am. He has no beginning and he has no end. He is spirit. Write these things down. See, God, there's proof that God is spirit because he exists eternally. And everything exists because of him as the creator. It'll be up on your screen to write that down, that he exists eternally. And that everything exists because of him as the creator. There is not one thing in this world that exists outside of the providence and power of God. Now, humans built this building but God breathed life into humans. When we see the sunrise, when we see the sunset, we see trees, and the Bible tells us that the very creation speaks to the majesty and beauty and perfection of God. He is the creator. Now, I know in the science world, you may think that this is at odds, but actually, science is just kind of discovering what God's already said. Now, they're kind of moving towards this idea that uh, there is some sort of design because there's just too much what they call just rightness in the universe. That th there's just too many things that are just right. That really the debate is not so much is there a God, the debate is okay, there's some sort of divine causal agent to everything that we see. Now we just believe we can actually know that agent of cause. We can actually know the creator. See, the studies in science is the Big Bang Theory, right? Something happened and boom, here we go. Well, 
things are being proven more, more so than not, then maybe there was a causal agent who said something like, let there be light, and boom, there was light. Let there be the heavens and the earth, and formed these things. It's just, I mean, it's happening in the science world. They're discovering things the Bible's already said. In the last 50 years, they've discovered that our universe is expanding. Guess what? The Bible talks about that, that the heavens continue to reach and expand and grow. The psalmist talks about that. In Genesis 1-1, we get the proof of this. In the beginning, God, thank you. Not in the beginning, Ryan, or in the beginning, us, because I don't want to depend on me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's it. Like outside of time, the reason God is spirit is because he exists outside of time. He doesn't have to depend on anyone. He was created by no one. And if that hurts your head, it's supposed to. Because this is big stuff. It's supposed to be like, how is this possible? I don't know. But I believe it. I believe it. Because as I'm going to tell you next week, I can trust what this says. In the beginning, God. Let me give you a, now don't just take my word for it. I got some scientists I'm going to quote as well. There, there's an astronomer by the name of Dr. Hugh Ross. I listen to his podcast all the time. Don't listen to it, though, if you're sleepy, because his voice will put you to sleep like that. But he says, here's what he says about creation and the spirit of God. There is less than one chance in 10 to the 1,050th power that all 850 characteristics that make life possible in the universe happen without divine, miraculous intervention. Uh, that number's pretty big, just so you know. That's 10 times itself, 1,050 times. So they would say if you could relate that to, you know, help us relate that in probability, it'd be like you winning the Florida State Lottery when you only buy one ticket 150 times in a row. That's pretty rare. And that's what we're experiencing. The fact that we can breathe this air, the fact the sun doesn't burn us alive, the, the, the fact that we're, it's the correct temperature and distance. God is spirit because he created us. And it, but it continues to go deeper from there. What we see in creation is that God protected us before he even placed us here. He made all this fine-tuning just rightness happen. He placed us in this specific place so that we could be protected, so they could breathe and experience this life. See, God is not at a distance. He is not just some spirit that is disconnected from his creation. See, we believe today that our universe has purpose. You have purpose. And our universe has purpose, and you have purpose because God is not only spirit, God is personal. Write that down for me today. God is personal. John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, so the word, this is Jesus, so the word became flesh, became human, and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love. Oh, this, oh, whoa, this sounds familiar. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And now we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Now, I believe I've proven to you that God is personal through what I just told you about creation. But the greatest demonstration that God is personal is that he sent a person, his son, to this earth to experience life and forgive us and redeem us and give his life as a ransom for us all so that we could be set free from sin and death. The word became human. The great thing about Christianity, about following Jesus, is that we get to follow someone and that our God became human here on this earth. He put on skin, and I love what it says, he made his home here. Home is a great word. It means that Jesus enjoys being with us. 
He enjoyed living his life here. Was it difficult? Was it hard? Did it require sacrifice? Yes, of course. But he was honored to bring the glory of God here to this world so that you could see that God is personal. So you could see that God is someone to know who cares about you and cares for you. And now we see that he is revealing to us the glory of the Father. See, in that story with Moses in Exodus chapter 34, Moses says, God, if I could just tell the Israelites what you look like, they'd probably believe me a little more. But God says, if you look on me, you will die. So he puts Moses behind or in a rock. The scripture's funny with what it says. But he allows Moses to kind of see him pass by. And the glory of the Lord and the glory of God is so powerful in that moment that when Moses walks back down to the people of God, to the Israelites, his faith, 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 face, face, there we go, that's weird, face is shining so brightly that they have to put a veil over his face because people can't even look at it. That's the power of God. But here's the thing, what does this say? And John is referencing back to the story of Moses, that we can look upon Jesus We can see what it would be like if the person of God walked the face of the earth. And we can have a relationship with him. We can connect with him. We can relate to him in our weaknesses and in our strengths. See, here's proof that God is personal. I want you to write these three things down. Number one, we have names to call him. Jesus tells us, how do you pray? First thing, our Father who art in heaven. God gave himself the name Father. That we can call him our Heavenly Father. Jesus says that we can call him friend. We have names to call God. He gives himself a personal identification. We have a defined relationship with him again. Goes deeper, father, friend. He is our strength. He is there with us no matter what. And the third thing is we have a place to meet him. That's what we're doing today. We have a place to meet God. We have a place to connect with God. We have a place to know that God is real and that God is here. It's proof. It's power. As we begin to close today, I want to read with you this verse again from John chapter 1, talking about what Jesus was doing. See, from God's abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Back to Moses. Oh, this sounds familiar. But God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through who? Came through Jesus, the Son of God, the person of God. No one has ever seen God but the unique one, referring to Jesus, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. Underline this last phrase for me. He has revealed God to us. He's revealed God to us. What I love about Jesus, I have a little example here that I wanted to show you. Help you remember a little bit bit what we're talking about today. So here's the power of Jesus is... He's revealed God to us by stepping down and becoming human. Now, if we look at life, the way we look at our life is it's all about achieving, all about the next rung on the ladder, right? Sometimes we can look at our life and it's, it's just about performance, right? Performance in our relationships, performance in our social media following, performance in our job and in our finances, and it's all about climbing the ladder, right? It's all about climbing the ladder to be more successful or to be accepted by people, to attain whatever that is, acceptance or purpose or paradise or whatever that may be, comfort, stepping up and finally getting to that place where we feel like we've arrived. I don't know about you, but that grind 
of just trying to climb the next rung of the ladder, I feel like I never get here. It's just another rung that I got to go to or another thing that I got to protect in an unhealthy, stressful life or another thing that I'm afraid of losing because I'm afraid of people have seen me up here now. Now I'm afraid of being knocked down a rung or two through the difficulties of life or through the things that happen to me, right? Like you ever feel just so stressed out by what's going on, by the performance, by the climbing, the ladder of this life, just to get what we think we need, acceptance and purpose and love and freedom? Well, here's the thing about Jesus. Completely flipped all that on its head. How did Jesus reveal God to us? Because guess what, and again, religion is the same way. It describes, okay, here's the way you get to God. This, 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 this. And if you do all that, then you should be okay. It's what Jesus was fighting against when he was here. And so the thing about Jesus, though, is he was already all the way up here. If you read Genesis 1, it says that the word was there. John 1 says the word was in the beginning with God right there. The word is Jesus. He's the Logos word, the person, power, presence of God here on earth. So after that, Jesus obviously was up in the heavens. And it tells us in later in scripture that Jesus got rid of all of that and took a humble step to come down to us. So if you can imagine this, Jesus up in heaven and God says, okay, Jesus, it's time. And Jesus lays down his presence and place in heaven and steps out of this perfect paradise to come down to earth with you and me and say, hey, here's who God is. He's not far away. Yeah, yeah you know, it's not about works. That'll come. The first thing is about relationship. It's about knowing my heavenly Father. It's about knowing me as the Son of God who is your Savior who is here for you. And you know what Jesus does when he reveals all that to us and we trust him and surrender our life to him? Only then does he walk up with us and bring us to the things of God and bring us to the forgiveness and freedom that we've always been looking for. Listen, our own strength, our own success, it always leads to frustration. Man, when we surrender and trust Jesus and realize he's revealed to us who God is, there is nothing better than that. In the beginning, I believe I forgot to tell you this quote, so for the OCD people who don't like to miss blanks, <laughs> the quote from A.W. Tozer was this, is that the most important thing, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So when you think about God, I don't want you to think some distant person who's striking you down for every wrong thing that you do. I want you to think about a God who loves you so much that his son came down from heaven to earth so that you could experience heaven on earth and know God as your heavenly father, know Jesus as your closest friend and meet God in your life. And the last thing I want you to write down is this, is that we can never know who or what we are until we know at least something of who God is. I think some of the deepest frustrations in our life is trying to figure this thing out without God's help. And we can never know who or what we are until we know at least something of who God is. I want you, I wanna, as we close today, you can put your notes down, I wanna show you a picture. Um, this is a picture of a guy named Steve Scheibner and his daughter, Molly. And Steve was supposed to be one of the pilots on September 11, 2001. And middle of the night before he was getting ready to fly out, he received an email or a call or just a notification that his superior, Tom, was going to take his place, more seasoned pilot was going to take his place. And 
that plane was one of the ones that struck the World Trade Center September 11th morning. And Steve has this amazing quote about providence of that moment and what it feels like to know that someone died for you when you were meant to be in that place. Here's what he says. This is a quote right here. I want to throw it up on the screen. Someone died in my place not once but twice. Tom sat in my seat. I was qualified to sit in, and by all rights, that was my seat that day. I should have been in that seat. In fact, I've sat in the very seat of the airplane that Tom was in. But God sent his own son to die for my sins. Jesus Christ was the other one who died in my place. He hung and he bled and he suffered on the cross to pay a price for me that I wasn't qualified to pay. I couldn't have hung on the cross. I didn't have the same qualifications. One guy sat in a seat I should have sat in, the other hung on a cross. One is far more significant than the other. That's not to trivialize what happened to Tom. That's to elevate and glorify what God did for me and for all of mankind on the cross. Come on. Jesus took our place to show that God is a spiritual being who we can know and is personal today. Come on, would you stand to your feet this morning as we close? Thank you so much for joining us on The Local Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to local church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to local.church give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.